0: The following audio is from Life Journey Church. More information about Life Journey Church is available at www.lifejourneyva.com. We're just very thankful for you, moms, and, and not just moms. And man, I see a lot of tissues going around. Um, but just, but but ladies in general, you know, um, you know, some of our story. We went through three miscarriages in three years, and uh, you know, we were, we were parents. April was a mom, but. You know, it's was tough uh, because we didn't have, you know, a child to hold. And, and, and so sometimes Mother's Day, is, it's, it's awesome, it's out of this world, exciting, but sometimes it's one of the most, kind of like Christmas sometimes, some of the most depressing time of the year because you don't have um, your mom still around or maybe you don't, you, you've tried and tried for years to have children and you never could. So we don't just honor uh, mothers, we honor, we honor motherhood. And whether you have a child or don't have a child, Ladies, we honor you today, we really do. Uh, God called Eve, Eve, because she was the mother, but that was before she ever had a child. And so it's not about raising children, that's a big part, but we just honor womanhood and and motherhood today. And each one of you, probably in one shape or another, have or will shape my children through this community of life journey, and so I just thank you for the investment in my kids um, as well. So, we're going to pass our plates here in a second, but before we do, I want to share some exciting news. And I was scanning the crowd for Leela. She might be in the back. I don't know. Um, is she on the other side of the curtain? There she is. Hey, Leela, you want to share with everyone? Okay, so in case you're first uh, time with us in a while, um, how uh, we've been raising $5,000 to uh, change the roof and to paint the school in our little village down in Paquim, Guatemala, where we're actively planting a church. Uh, we're going to be returning there in just a few short months to, uh, to, to just continue ministering, to, to continue sharing the gospel. And we've been raising 5000 bucks above and beyond our regular gifts and, and offerings and uh, Leela, could you just share with everybody, Leela? if you don't know, she's our financial uh, director of monies and all that, what's the exact title? I don't know. But could you just share with everybody how much money we, we need still to raise to get to that $5,000 limit, not limit, but goal? If my math is right, we're over by about 60 bucks. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's so cool. So, so we're going to wire pretty quick, uh, thanks, Leah. We're going to wire pretty quickly uh, that money to our, to our contact down there, and they're going to order all the supplies so when we get there in July, everything's there ready for us to rock and roll. I mean, that is so exciting. Now, if you have been giving to that regularly, can I encourage you to continue giving to that? Because we have some people on our team, we have about uh, five, seven or so people that are going to be going with us down to Guatemala, and there are some people on the team who could use some help getting there. Uh, the, the, the cost is a total of $1,300 per person, and many have raised a lot of the money on their own, but there are some that still need some help. So if you've been like, you know, every month giving 100 bucks to this, just let me encourage you to keep doing that for, you know, through July. Um, and you can just write on your check, PAKIM or whatever, you can give online, so if you wouldn't mind, you don't have to, uh, we've met our goal, but if, if you could, that would be very, very helpful for our team going down to help with some scholarship support. So let's go ahead and pass our baskets, and uh, we're going to get into uh, this morning's uh, message in, um, in Hebrews. Um, but b- before we do, you know, it is Mother's Day, and I want to share, as the plates are, uh, plates are being passed, uh, man, that's hard, plates are being passed, um, I want to share just a quick little excerpt from an email exchange that I had with one of our mothers here at Life Journey. You know, it's Mother's Day, and I think it's really appropriate to just see how the reality of Jesus' love for us is radically changing one of our moms at her core. So she wrote me just sharing some, 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 some difficulties, some major struggles that she's been having, single mom. And I wrote her back just to try to encourage her about her new life in Christ, her new identity, her her new holiness that Jesus has given her, her new righteousness, her new union with the God of the universe, just to encourage her to not set her mind just on what can be seen, but to set her mind on that which is not seen, that which is actually real, that every single ounce of God's unlimited love is weighing on her, even in these moments. Listen to how she responded. I think this is awesome, how the gospel affects every part of life here and now. Thank you so much, Walt, for your prayers and the encouragement. I'm going to keep your note and print it so that I can read it often. I'm so thankful that God brought us to life journey. I wish that I had heard and understood the true message of grace when I was younger I'm extremely thankful for that understanding now. And I love the fact that you teach us the word and don't just spoon feed us. It is amazing how much more I understand and am able to talk with my girls about grace. They will grow up, listen to this, moms, they will grow up in the knowledge of grace. And I plan on sharing this message with anyone who will listen. Do do you hear what this mom is saying? I mean, she's saying that the revelation of the good news of the grace of God is changing every aspect of her life. It's not just some sort of intellectual doctrine. It's life-changing union with God. He loves us. <laughs> he really, really loves us. And it's so hard for us to see that at times. And she's leaning in on Jesus as she's walking through some very difficult times in her life to the point where she's sharing this truth with her girls, and with anyone who will listen, man, I, th- I just think that's awesome how the gospel is not just some sort of cold, you know, thing to learn, but man, it's life-changing. When it grabs a hold of us, it totally changes our lives. So I'm just so thankful for Mother's Day and thankful for all you moms. And, and just a little excerpt from a mom here in our fellowship whose whose life is being changed by this gospel. So let's let's dive into Hebrews uh, real quick. We're in the third week of a th- of a four-week little mini-series that we're calling. An open door. We started Hebrews back in September, and we're just slowly walking through uh, this, this this amazing letter that was written some 2,000 years ago. And what we're seeing is that that Jesus has actually opened up a door. Think of it of a, as a portal, if you will, from this world of darkness into the kingdom, another world, the kingdom of the beloved Son. And what we're going to see today in this third part of, of chapter nine, it's really, I mean. Uh, I don't, know, I don't have a very good, you know, expensive vocabulary, so I'm just going to say it's just mind blowing. We're going to, there, there's some stuff that, is, that we'll see that truly, if we let it, it, it's a bomb that will explode and will eradicate so much religious thinking that we have put into our minds all the way back, really, since the Garden of Eden. When we say religious thinking, We're talking about the thinking that that intimacy with God or closeness with Him is something that we create by managing our sins and modifying our behavior. Something we create by us doing. If you've been with us for a while, you've heard us talk about this. Religious thinking says when we stop doing this and start doing that, then, then we'll be worthy enough. Then we'll be able to actually be intimate with God. But the problem with this thinking is that Our behavior, our actions, it's it's actually better than the blood of Jesus. This thinking says, well, Jesus' blood got us this far, but if we really want to be intimate with God, then we've got to modify our behavior, manage our sins, double down, try harder at doing better. And if you're picking up at what Hebrews is saying, especially chapter 9, the summary is this. No, (laughs) no, it just doesn't work that way. When we started this mini series in chapter nine three weeks ago, I asked the question, What is it in your past that makes intimacy with God so difficult for you? What is it in your past? And you're following along in the Bible notes, the Bible app.lifejourneyva.com. If you're following along, these notes are in there. What is it in your past that, that makes intimacy with God so difficult for you? And here's what. Hebrews 9 specifically is getting at. It's getting at how intimacy really works. You see, when we hear this question of what is in your past that causes intimacy with God to to be difficult, we, we immediately think of things we've done. Things we've done and things we continue to do that prevent us from real intimacy. Our conscience, we talked about this two weeks ago, our conscience condemns us. It condemns us based on our behavior, based on what we've done. We read scriptures that says that Jesus torn, or God has torn the veil that separated him from people, but then our conscience seeks to raise another veil that says, "No, no, no, he, yeah, He's done that, but look, you can't really go in. you can't really be intimate. You can't really because look at what all you've done." And so we have this conflict going in in our minds, day in and day out. And Hebrews nine is just basically saying, "Look, this is, this is so done, it's, it's not even funny how done it is. Let's talk about intimacy real quick. I know we talked about it a little bit two weeks ago, but, but intimacy is something I think that each one of us long for. I mean, think about your life, each one of us longs for it, but it seems to be so often the very thing that eludes us, whether it's in a husband-wife relationship or, or whatever, really. It's, it's what we long for, but so often it eludes us. I mean, think about it. We desire to share our lives with someone. I've done a good number of weddings over the last, you know, 12, 15 years. And I always ask the happy couple, you know, I say, why do you guys want to get married? And and that's the same question that my father-in-law asked me when when I told him that I was going to marry April. And they answer the same way that I answered. It was probably the same way you answered. Our answer is I wanted to give my life to her, to him. I wanted to give my life to April. I wanted her to give her life to me. I wanted to know her on the most deepest of levels, intimately, emotionally, intellectually, physically, mentally, socially, spiritually, I wanted to know her. I wanted intimacy. I wanted oneness. I wanted to share. I wanted someone to share a familiarity with that I just wouldn't share with anyone else. And that's why most of us would look forward to the idea of getting married if, if we haven't got there yet. But let's be honest. The reason intimacy is so difficult to achieve is because we all have baggage. We all have junk. We all have skeletons. If you don't, well, you probably should come teach, you know? But we all have junk. Remember back, if you're married, remember back to when you were dating. If you're a teenager, if you're single, or if maybe if you've, you've lost a spouse, you you, you know what I'm, what we're about to talk about. But, but if you're married, remember back to when you were dating and and things were still kind of awkward you know and you didn't want to mess anything up and so you you think to yourself okay is is it time yet for me to you know do can I can I tell her about this yet you know or if it if it's a girl you know, can I reveal this to him yet or because if I do man he might do like what the last guy did and just like split you know like can I reveal this part of me that I've been kind of holding back but I really want to share it but I don't know. And so we want the intimacy, but we're scared because of the baggage that we hang on to. You know, whether it's a prior conviction. Look, we've all made mistakes. Maybe it's some sort of strange health condition. You know, a sixth toe. Hey, it happens. But, but maybe it's something that you just can't hide from at all, your family. And, and you, don't, you don't want to share that part, your, your, your mom, your dad, your extended family with this girl that you're dating because you know that there's going to be a clash there. And a lot of husbands and wives just looked at each other just then. You know what I'm talking about. We all have those skeletons. You want to be intimate. You want to share life. But you're worried about being rejected by the person you want to get close with. We all have those skeletons. We all worry about what's going to prevent us and they from being intimate. But as we mature, the saving grace we realize, you know what, everybody has skeletons and they've got some too. And so... We end up sharing and then they share and then, you know, it, it actually works out. They've got junk just like you've got junk. But let's take all that anxiety. Let's take all of that worked up fear of if I share this, if they know about what I did back when I was, you know, whatever, or if they knew what, what I still did, you know, what I still struggle with. Let's take all that anxiety that, that prevents us from really being intimate with someone and, and let's take that and, and, and look at our relationship with God, right? Let's take all those sins that we try to maybe hide from someone else and consider how in the world are we ever going to achieve intimacy with the God of the universe? I mean, God knows everything, right? There's no gradual revealing of your junk. He, he knows it all. He, he knew it before the world even was created. You can't hide your stuff, your junk. You can't hide that weird family or whatever you can't hide that from God you can't hide that because he knows it all there's no hiding from him and so how in the world can we have true intimacy how can we have actual relationship how can we have true friendship with the God of the universe I mean look at all our junk look at all these stupid choices we've made look at all of this junk to make matters worse what does our conscience come in and do our conscience comes in and condemns us about it. Our conscience says, really? You think that you're going to be intimate with the God of the universe who's holy, righteous, and pure uh, with you and all of this that you've done? And so we, the very thing we long for the most, intimacy with the one who created us, we feel as though it is but a fairy tale and impossible. And Most of us believe that. Most of us, myself included, we, we swallow that hook, line, and sinker. Most of us live in this world believing that God loves us, believing that he died for us, but believing that intimacy with him is just a pipe dream. It's impossible. Because, I mean, look. Look at all this junk in my life. This is the very thing that Hebrews, I think, is getting at to correct to clarify last week we saw that sin has been forgiven not based on apologies but based on blood sin is too big of a deal for god just to say okay you're sorry for it okay cool it's so serious to him that someone had to bleed and die for that sin and so we saw that the shedding of blood is what brings about forgiveness let's pick up pick up in verse 23 we're just going to look at three or four verses And then we're going to share just a little wrap-up idea, if you're new with us, and then we're going to get our kids and and head off to lunch, dinner, whatever you got going on for Mother's Day. Verse 23. Therefore, it was necessary. Now, if you haven't been with us the first two weeks, it's all on the podcast. I encourage you to catch up. We don't have time to review everything. But therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the things in heaven To be cleansed with these. Okay, so I don't have time to go into all of the background. Again, I encourage you to go to the podcast and catch up. But if you weren't with us, Hebrews has been comparing the reality of heaven and how it, a copy of that, a shadow of that, has been constructed on earth called the Jewish tabernacle and later the Jewish temple. But the reality is heaven itself. The earthly tabernacle was a copy of the true tabernacle in heaven. So these sacrifices of bulls and goats that happened in the tabernacle, they were foreshadows of a greater sacrifice that would come one day to actually take away sin. And so what Hebrews is saying is, therefore, it was necessary for the copies, that is, the the temple here on earth, it was the copy, it was necessary for that copy to be cleansed with these bulls and goats and whatever, but now look at this this is so let me just read it but the heavenly things okay and we're not talking about the earthly tabernacle which you can see with your eyes we're talking about heaven itself the true tabernacle in heaven where the where god actually dwells but the heavenly things themselves had to be cleansed with better sacrifices than these bulls and goats this may blow some circuits this morning. It did for me all week long. Hebrews is saying that the animal sacrifices that were used in the earthly temple, hey, they were cool for the earthly temple, but, but it's not going to cleanse heaven. Something better is needed to cleanse heaven. Does that not sound sort of strange to you? What in the world is going on in heaven that needs to be cleansed. We're talking about heaven here. What sinful thing exists in heaven? Why does Jesus' blood have to cleanse heaven? I mean, if there's any place that should be pretty cool, it would be heaven. Why blood of Jesus cleansing heaven? Is there anybody else that's like, yeah, that, that kind of sounds strange? I mean, is there anybody? Okay, I'm not alone in this. All right. Well, I've heard a couple of ideas, and I was going to share a lot of them, but just to save time, I'm going to cut to the chase. If you have an idea, I'm being very serious on this. If you have an idea of why this is the case, that Jesus' blood had to shed, uh, cleanse heaven, please come share it with me, because I'd love to, to learn, because there's not a whole lot written about this. I mean, I searched and searched and searched, but I'm going to share with you what I think, from what I've been searching, what I've been uh, examining, Why I think heaven itself had to be cleansed if you have the bible app this quote that i'm about to quote is in your bible notes all right bibleapp.lifejourneyva.com this is a quote from a guy named andrew murray he says the heavenly things themselves being cleansed what can this mean and i'm like yeah please tell me because i have no idea we speak of the heavens think about just the sky being dark black with clouds the light of the sun is always there but it's clouded When the clouds are gone, the heavens are bright and clear. God's word, he says, speaks of our sinning rising up as clouds, as smoke before him. Our sins come up before him and are in his presence, written and recorded in his book of remembrance. And they are calling out for vengeance. God said to Israel, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins. So Murray writes, Just as the tabernacle had to be sprinkled and cleansed and and hallowed from all uncleanness of the children of Israel, so heaven itself needed to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. As the blood of Jesus was brought in, every vestige of a thought of sin was removed from the very presence of God. The heavens were cleansed. The heavens are now clear and bright and the love of God can shine out like noonday sun. Glory. Do you hear what this is saying? Jesus' blood has cleansed the heavens how many of us had, uh, how, many, how many sins, let me say this way, how many sins had you committed 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross? Zero, right? Un- unless you age really, really well, okay, we'll have to say zero, okay? But how many of your sins, please pay attention, were already recorded in God's remembrance 2,000 years ago? Every last one of them. Every last one of your sins were already recorded in the annals of heaven, if if you will. Every single one of them was known by God, recorded by God, logged in his memory. There's no sin that you'll ever do that will shock God. Did you know that? You'll never sin, and God be like, wow, didn't see that coming. Because before the foundation of the world, he already knew it all. He already knew it all. Now let's make this connection, please. I know this is deep and this is you know is a little bit deeper than normal but please hear what Hebrews is saying how many of our sins did the blood of Jesus cleanse from the very record annals of heaven every last one of them there's none that remains there's if there's one that remains then they all remain meaning his blood either worked or it didn't work Jesus' better blood has cleansed the very record of your sinning in heaven. That, that's something like worth shouting about. That's, like, that's really, really good news. That's why it's called the gospel. It, it, it shows to us how much God loves us and desires us and wants to be one with us and wants to be intimate with us. Not because there's something special about us, but because there's something very special about him. So the entire remembrance of God... Regarding your sins, even the ones that you've yet to commit, because really, remember, none of them had been committed 2,000 years ago, have been cleansed in heaven. So if you were to step into heaven right now, there'd be no record of wrongs. He says, I will be merciful to all their wicked, lawless deeds. I will remember their sins no more. How is he able to do that? Because the very blood of Jesus is enough to cleanse even the mind of God about your wickedness that my friends is exciting that causes me to just be like whoa and thank you so let's look at verse 24 because you know what it gets even gooder look at verse 24 it says "for." now that's f-o-r and you've heard me say this before, but if you ever see four, that's always explaining what was just written. Okay, the Greek word is gar for those who are into that sort of stuff. But it just means this is, we're going to write something to explain what was just said. So let's, let's learn a little bit more about what was just said. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made without hands. Okay, again, we're not talking about a physical temple. He said, it's not a mere copy of the true one. But Jesus entered into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Jesus has entered into heaven and his death, specifically his blood. Now remember, it's only the shedding of blood that forgives sins. His blood has cleansed the very annals, the record of all of our sins in heaven, every last one of them but there's more look at this there's more i mean that's enough right but no there's more the the riches of his grace just continue to be lavished on us jesus has entered into heaven to appear before god for us now if you've gone to church a bunch we've we've heard this idea before and it might be a little kind of we might have grown numb to this so let me try to paint a little picture about what this is saying not literally because i'm not a good artist but maybe with some words Let's realize that God is the perfectly pure, perfectly holy, righteous, perfectly just being with not even the possibility of a dent, a wrinkle, or a crack in his character and morality. He has been separated from mankind ever since the Garden of Eden because of sin. Now he has sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, taking all of our sin, upon his perfect body, and his perfect blood was shed on Calvary. And now Jesus has entered into heaven to cleanse every last vestige and sign of our sin that was in the records of heaven. And now Jesus sits in the presence of God for us. The word that we have in English translated here, presence, See that uh, that word there? Presence. The Greek word for this in in the Bible, the the New Testament was written in, in Greek. The word literally means face. So Jesus now sits in the very face of God. Can you picture this? Can you see? Feel free to maybe even close your eyes. Don't go to sleep. I'll throw my shoe at you. But try to picture this in your mind's eye if that's helpful for you. God the Son and God the Father sitting, reclining, relaxing in heaven face to face. We've got to remember that just a few hours before this happened, Jesus was on the cross. And for the first time in all of eternity past, the Son and the Father were not face to face. Remember Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But now that Jesus' perfect, priceless blood had been shed, now He's entered heaven and cleansed every square inch of heaven from every last memory of our sin, Jesus and the Father are now face to face. No more sin. No more wrath. No more guilt, no more condemnation, no more anger, no more separation. Can you imagine this? Maybe, can, can you see this in your mind? Can you picture it face to face? Imagine the joy of the Father towards His Son. Imagine the excitement of the Father in the satisfaction He has for the Son. Imagine just how proud the Father is in the Son for the fact that Jesus has completed this work. And they're now face to face once again. What's the word we've been using today, last week, the week before, all series long that this communicates? Intimacy. Do you see this? Intimacy. There's nothing holding the Father and the Son apart. There was just a few hours before when all the sin of yours was placed on the Son, but no more because He bled. He died. And because he shed his blood, the f- sin had been forgiven. They're now face to face. Think of the most intimate relationships you have. Think of them. Think of your children. We have Rieslin, she's six months old. Remember when you had a child, if you have a child, or if your grandma or a grandpa or a child, think think of when you hold that little baby. For whatever reason, we all do this, even if it's not our kid, and we've got to say, oh man, sorry, that's not my kid. We just want to get in there, what? Face. We want to kiss those chubby little cheeks for some reason. I don't know. But we just do. We want to be what? Face to face. What intimacy. Think of your kids when they grew up, like four years old, five years old. Gwen is in that range, she's our oldest. And man, she'll come running to me, and she'll just like spring like nothing, like holding her back. And she'll just jump into my arms if I'm sitting on the couch or whatever. And she'll just squeeze her face right into mine. And I'm just like, wow. You see that face-to-face intimacy. We don't have teenagers yet, but I know you guys who do. I was a youth minister for 10 years, and I I don't know what's going to happen when we get to that point in our life. Because, man, it's hard, isn't it? Let's just be honest. For those of you who have gotten past those years, you're like, "Thank you, you know, that we got through." But, um, but, but, but even in the rebellious times with your teenage children, when they've done something so stupid you can't even imagine, and you almost want to disown them, been there, right? When they respond to your gracious, loving forgiveness, and they start crying because they are experiencing forgiveness for something they know they don't deserve forgiveness for and they put that wet snotty cheek right up against yours and you don't want to repulse that away then that melts your heart why face to face intimacy husbands wives look i know marriage is hard we're celebrating our 12 year this coming summer and it's hard it's difficult And all the ups and downs of marriage, just remember a time. Maybe it was like, you know, a long time ago. But just remember a time when you laid in bed face to face and just kissed his nose. Ladies, you just kissed his cheek and you just were intimate, just face to face. Remembering how much you love her and he loves you face to face. We understand this. We know this. Whether it's our babies, whether it's our kids, our teenagers, our grown children, our spouses, or even our grown adult parents who are on their deathbed and we just want to be face to face with daddy one more time. We understand face to face intimacy. I hope we see what's going on here. I hope we understand the breadth of God's love. Jesus, having cleansed the entire heavenly record of your sins, he now sits face to face with the Father. For us, for me for you. He sits face to face. It's for you. He's done this work for you. It wasn't you that bled. It was he. It wasn't he that sinned. It was you. And he did this work for you. He suffered. You didn't suffer this. He suffered. You did all the junking. He took the penalty for you so that you Now, we'll be face to face. Where are you now if you are a believer in Jesus? You're in Christ. You are in Christ. He is the door. He is the portal through which we enter into this face-to-face reality with the Father in heaven. No more veil. No more separation. You now in Christ, face-to-face with your daddy the god of the universe you are his beloved oh how he loves us the very thing that moses could not see you now behold in your inner man day by day by day verse 25 and it even gets better oh man nor that he would suffer often, or that he would offer himself often as the high priest entered the holy place year by year with blood that's not their own. Otherwise, he would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. This just simply means that Jesus died once and it was enough. The Old Testament priests, they did it time and time, year and year and year. And it was literally where it says, um, blood not their own. That literally means stranger's blood. It wasn't their own. It was the blood of bulls and goats. But Jesus doesn't have to do that often. He did it once because, well, it worked. And the rest of that verse says, and we're going to finish, but now, but now, once, (laughs) once and for all, once, at the consummation of the ages, we'll see what that means in a second, he has been manifested. Your translation might say he has appeared. He has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. It's just so important that we believe what scripture says right here. Jesus died once and it was enough. He died once and it worked. There will never be any other future forgiveness, any other future uh, A sacrifice for sins. Every last sin was cleansed by the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. You see where this says, once at the consummation of the ages. Again, your translation might say at the end of the ages. Okay, so we're talking 2,000 years ago was the end of the ages. What is he saying? Well, we don't have a whole lot of time, but what ages end when Jesus died, if you want to take some notes, or type this into your Bible app, I just want to give you three ages. I'm sure there's more, but just for time, three ages that ended when Jesus died. One, the age of sacrifice has ended. For hundreds of years, animals had been sacrificed, foreshadowing the greater sacrifice that would come. That age of sacrifice has ended. Two, what age has ended? The age of the old covenant has ended. Last week, we saw that the covenant maker must die in order for the covenant to begin. Well, Jesus died and a new covenant began, thus ending the old. There's no more old covenant. There's no more laws, external laws of Moses condemning us. It's ended. But the biggest of all, number three, the biggest of all age, in my opinion, that's ended is this age of God and man being separated by sin. That age has ended. The death of Jesus, the shedding of this blood, put away sin. Let's use our brains as we wrap up. Let's use our brains a little bit. God gave us brains, we ought to use them, I think. Jesus appeared, it was manifested, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Let me ask you a couple questions. These are really, really easy, but I just think they're important for us just to drill in. Yes or no? And these are in your Bible notes too, I think. Did Jesus appear? Yes or no? Yes. I mean, we we might have some debate on that, but but for the sake of argument, did Jesus appear? Yes. Did Jesus die as our sacrifice? Yes. Therefore, based on Scripture, what has been put away. Sin. Now, I want to we'll go through that again. Because I don't want you to think that I'm just like making stuff up. Or that I'm tricking you. Playing word games, whatever. Jesus appeared. He was manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Did Jesus appear? Yes. Was he, did He die as our sacrifice? Yes. Therefore, what has been put away? Sin. Look, it's just that simple. We make this way too complicated. Now, is Hebrews saying that the practice of sin has been put away with? Uh, No, and you know that isn't the case because you probably already have sinned this morning. We get dumb and we sin all the time, all right? We practice, uh, but the practice of sin isn't what's been put away, but it's every single last record in the annals of heaven has been put away from the very remembrance of God every last accounting of your sin has been put away. Why? Why would Jesus do this? So that you could now sit in Christ face to face with the Father. So that intimacy with the Father would no longer be some sort of pipe dream fairy tale but rather a reality now. But now, once at the consummation of the ages, he has put away sin. It's a reality now. Why would he do this? So that you would be loved fully by love himself, the Father. Friends, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Jesus has opened a door into heaven. He has opened the door through which we now enter by grace through faith. He has cleansed heaven of all of our sinful record. He's opened the door through which we now sit face to face with the Father, the God of the universe, who loves us. And He's created us now new in Christ. He's created us with new righteousness of His own, new holiness of His own. He's created us from his own loins, righteous, holy, redeemed. We're no longer from below, no longer from Adam, but now we're from Christ, in Christ. Jerusalem above is our mother, not this world below. Heaven, as James said a couple weeks back, is our hometown. We're aliens in this world. We're we're no longer tied to this world except for these bodies that we are now in. But these bodies, they'll die one day too. And then we will know him fully as he already knows us face to face. We have been, Colossians 1, transferred from this kingdom of darkness and Rescued from this kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is through the door called Jesus. Friends, you might disagree with this. I'm just going to go with what Hebrew says, but sin in the mind of God is such a done deal. We will never be able to wrap our minds around it. Jesus appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of, of himself if you're new with us we wrap up every sunday morning with just this little thing we call a journey marker it's something it's in your bible app or if you want to write it down something you would take a picture of you know remember it throughout the week in our community groups we'll talk about this some more but here's our journey marker and it's a little rhyme this week uh for those who like that kind of stuff but since god requires blood to forgive sin and jesus died once never again how forgiven are you if christ you are in don't you think we should just start believing the scriptures i do i think that's a good idea i think that's a good game plan for a church to believe the scriptures you see this thing called christianity it's not about what you could do for yourself it's called christianity and if you've never kind of put that together that's christianity we just pronounce it weird it's not me, eanity. It's not you, eanity. It's not Craig-ianity or Louieanity. That's kind of cool, though. Louieanity, <laughs> you know, you know it sounds French. It's Christianity. It's about Him. So how then shall we live? How do we leave this place? Because you know, right now we might feel loved, right now. But you know what? Monday's going to come. Tuesday's going to happen, right? Oh yeah, Wednesday. So how do we live? What would happen if we started living, walking in this truth? What if we started believing that Jesus has actually and fully cleansed all my sin from my account? What would happen if we started believing that intimacy with God is not some sort of fairy tale, but real now? Because of Jesus? What would happen if we started being so, excuse me, what would happen if we stopped being so preoccupied with sin management and behavior modification and started believing that now, because of Jesus, we are face to face with our daddy in heaven? What would happen as a church, right here, us, if we started believing this good news? How then? shall we live? Well, here's a crazy idea. How about we live by faith? I know that's crazy, but how about we live by faith that this news is actually true, that we live today as though our sins of, for all time, every record of them have been forgiven us. What if we just lived in that reality in this world? What if we live by faith that all of our sin counted, was counted against Jesus so that None of it would be counted against us. What if we lived by faith that that when Jesus said it's finished, he wasn't just kind of like, you know, psych, gotcha. Like he really meant it. It is finished. What if we lived honestly knowing that we'll never live in our flesh righteous lives in this world, but trusting nonetheless that we are righteous because righteousness of God has been given to us freely by grace through faith. What if we embrace the truth that God required blood, Jesus bled, and then we just do the math and celebrate? What if? What would happen in our lives? Well, we read a little story about one of our moms earlier. I think that's what would happen in all of our lives. If we embrace the truth that God requires blood, Jesus bled. Let's just do the math and celebrate that we are forgiven. Not that we're being forgiven, but we are forgiven. What if we just believe, contrary to sight, because sight doesn't give us this, but faith does. What if we live by faith that we are clean with no spot or wrinkle because of the blood of Jesus? In other words, what if we lived in this world based on the reality of that world? What would happen? If we could peer through this door physically and see the riches of Christ standing in face-to-face with God for us and us in Him. What if we saw that? Don't you think that our lives here in this world would be radically transformed? Don't you think? Dude, I do. And I think Paul did, which is why he makes such a huge deal about this throughout the New Testament. And whoever wrote Hebrews is making such a huge deal about this. I think it's impossible, in fact, for our lives here and now not to change as we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Our band's going to come up. And we're going to close out with just a worship song of response. And the song that we're not going to do right now is this old hymn. Maybe you're familiar with it. It's just called, uh, well, I don't know what the title is, but it goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and praise. And grace, whatever that last word is. It's awesome. It's awesome. But We're going to sing once and for all. Do you remember what keeps you being truly fully intimate with someone else here in this world remember how we said it really boiled down to a fear of being rejected because of those skeletons in our closet the junk in our trunk whatever you want to call it well what if we lived trusting that jesus has cleansed all of those sinful putrid skeletons even the ones we don't even know about yet What if we live trusting that He has put them away? What then would prevent us from full access? Full experiential intimacy with God now? Nothing. Nothing. Do you realize that while you're driving home tonight, or this afternoon, you are face to face with God because of Jesus? Do you realize that tomorrow morning when you're making... French toast. You are face to face with God. Do you realize that when your wife, your husband blows up and they get so mad because you did something dumb, royally dumb, you are face to face with God? Not because of what you've done. That's what grace is. It's all because of Him. Can we trust that? Can we see the truth of this finished work? Can we stop trying to create the very thing that's already been created? Can we rest in Christ's superabundant love and grace towards us. Listen, there's only one door. There's only one way for this to happen. There's only one way for you to pass from this world to that world, from death unto life, and it's through Jesus. Listen, if you've never begun trusting in Jesus, you must begin trusting in Him today. Why would you not? I mean, he's, he's saying, come to me and I will give you what you desire the most, face to face intimacy with the Father. He's opened the door. Will you trust him? I'm going to pray for us. We're gonna, well, let's go ahead and stand. That's cool. Let's go ahead and stand and I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing this song once and for all. Then I'm going to come up and I'm just going to close this out with a final word. If today you want to talk more about trusting Jesus, I'll be standing over here, or maybe you want to come and hang out at Mud House or something this week or at the church office. Let me know. I'd love to talk with you about what trusting Jesus is all about. Thank you for listening to this message from Life Journey Church. Feel free to distribute this podcast, but please, do not charge for it or alter it in any way. For more information about Life Journey Church, visit us at www.lifejourneyva.com.